For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, uh, Jamie Ward with us this morning and uh, Guy Havelt as well. And, uh, Jamie, let's uh, begin with you if we can, please. Um, now the uh, Black Ferns are pretty solid on the score sheet, 56-12 over Wales. Uh, but what have you made of their first two matches and where they're at now? Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning, Guy. Uh, to be honest, I still feel like that game yesterday probably posed a few more questions than it answered. Uh, in terms of discipline, and I know it's something that we've talked about a lot before, but unless the Blackburns can significantly reduce their penalty count, um, then they're really not going to go much further in this tournament than the semi-finals, because we saw on Saturday night a game between England and France that was very, very much dominated by tackling and kicking, um, you know, you could very much say that that was a very Northern Hemisphere style uh, of game, um, very different to what we think about when we think about women's rugby um, down here. Uh, you know, it was, it was very much based on um, tactical decisions and uh, preying on uh, the opposition making mistakes. And unless the Black Ferns can, can start these games well, like it took them 20 minutes to get into the game against uh, the Walrows, it took them like 15 minutes to get into the game against... Uh, uh, Let's face it, a bunch of scrubs in, in Wales. Like they, they, you know, they, that's not a very good team. And uh, unless they can, if they show up against France or England and don't actually wake up until 20 minutes, the game's already going to be gone. And if they keep giving away as many penalties um, as they do, uh, it's going to be even worse. Um, we saw a couple of cards yesterday. Um, or a whole bunch of them again um, from the Australians uh, on, on on the weekend. And I think what you've got is and uh, the uh, situation where uh, you're really seeing the difference between professionalism um, from the northern teams and the and and what we've got down here in terms of like the way that they're coached, um, the way that they the amount of rugby that they're playing because those northern hemisphere teams have are in those situations a lot more. They know. The, the rules are a lot better and their instincts are far more around not giving away penalties than um, the Black Ferns and the Wallaroos are. And it is really showing. And like I said, they're running out of time um, to get that stuff right. Right. Uh, good morning to you, uh, Guy Havelt. Um, yes, uh, very interesting because um, everyone you sort of talk to around this uh, is encouraged by the start, but we still really don't know, do we? Uh, when you look at France against England, which was an out-and-out door forward fest as such, uh, with a very good kicking game from uh, England's uh, Zoe Harrison, apart from that, um, they're not giving too much away. Yeah, morning, fellas. Uh, Jamie summed it up very well, I, I think. And Wayne Smith was, was quite vocal after the game as well around the discipline and how much that will cost them going forward. But the fact is, if they give away those penalties against England, um, you know, England will make most of it. They can kick from anywhere. They've got strong forwards. I'm not quite sure whether the Black Turns forwards are 
are quite up to up to the same standard as England. If if they are able to manage them, you know, for, for 60 minutes or so, then the, I feel like the Blackbirds' backs might be better. Uh, but I, I do feel like a lot of that going to be one up front and, and right now I would say the balance is probably in England's favour. I also think England is the better team ahead of France so I feel like if the Black Ferns can you know, get their way uh, through a couple more games then they're probably going to come up against England if they make it to the final and um, as I say that might be a tough one for, for, them, for them to get past. They do have to start better, they have to be more disciplined. They're a chance uh, but they have to improve and I think judging by what Wayne Smith said anyway and even Ruby Tui post-match uh, comments, I think they know they have to improve and probably pr- improve uh, quite a bit to, to be a contender to win this title. Right, I'm giving you home advantage uh, and first crack at this guy, Havelt, because um, this is a great battle we've got this morning. This is truly Wellington versus Canterbury, and it is the grand final. My God, I'm looking forward to this debate because uh, here you go. You haven't won one for a while, Guy Havelt, and Wellington are running rampant. How are you feeling? Canterbury haven't won one for a while. Sorry, how long has it been since Wellington won a won a top division oh, title? It's been it's been two decades, hasn't it? It's been two decades. I mean, that's pretty much the only place oh. you need to look at, Smithy. Uh, mentally, Canterbury is all over them. Uh, I would say on the park, they're all over them. Yeah, Wellington beat Auckland, but it's only Auckland, isn't it, Smithy? Uh, look, I I um, I will bow to Jamie in terms of probably how much uh, domestic rugby he's watched compared to me this season comes to Canterbury against Wellington in a domestic rugby final, uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, Ian Smith and Jamie Wall, that Canterbury m- have definitely the mental uh, the mental edge in that department. And if it comes close, uh, I can't see Wellington. I can't see Wellington beating them. So uh, I look forward to this conversation next week uh, when it's another Canterbury trophy going in the cabinet. Okay, so you've served. Um, how are you going to hit him, forehand or backhand? Jamie, oh, oh, very much a backhand on this one. Uh, that, that, that. I, I don't know why. You're right, guy. You clearly haven't been watching enough provincial rugby this season. Because if you did, you wouldn't be that confident. I mean, how good for Wellington uh, on the weekend? That is, that is a good Auckland side they're playing. I mean, there are a lot of All Blacks fifteen players in that Auckland team. I'll tell you that much. And Wellington made them look like trash. There were you got you know. You got guys running through them all night. You know that's the that's the biggest win that Wellington's ever had against or ever, and that's you're talking about 120 years right there. So, you know, but, I mean, I I'm as a Wellingtonian, of course, I'm getting myself foolishly worked up over the chances of uh, of a team winning. Um, this has happened many times in the past, many many times. Obviously, you know, the last time we won was like I said back in 2000. But I mean, look at that 2000 team because we had we had Joan Long and Christian Colantano. And and the rest, and you know, am I getting myself far too uh, overconfident about this? Of course I am. Of course I am. Am I? Am I? Do I know at the back of my mind that Wellington are probably going to lose this game? Absolutely. Uh, but at the same time, this is what's great about being a Wellingtonian. You know, you can you can have this week. You you, you get one week every every couple of years where you think to yourself, there is absolutely no way we're going to lose this game. Absolutely none whatsoever. Put your house on it. Okay, interesting. To fancy that at the start of the season, to think that Wellington would be uh, NPC champions and hold the prized log of wood as well. What a season. What an absolute season to, to yeah, dream of, really it would if, be. If they're, that, if they're that confident, Smithy, they should put the shield up this weekend. 
Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah, look. Yep. I'm, I'm that confident. Let, let's do it. I'll call <laughs> <laughs> I'll ring Leo Crowley and arrange it. Yeah, good on you, boys. Uh, t- t- take take five or take two or three, actually. We're going to go to the news uh, with Araha, and when we come back, uh, there's uh, one or two other issues that we really need to uh, talk about. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. A guy have dealt with us this morning, as is Jamie Wall, so it's a real Canterbury v Wellington thing, but you might come to uh, an agreement on this matter here. Uh, fellas, uh, Jamie, I'll start with you on this. Altrad, uh, the front of Jersey sponsor for the um, All Blacks and uh, the Black Ferns, of course, and uh, there's issues around this. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, quite an interesting story because it hasn't really quite landed with uh, New Zealand rugby fans just yet. But, yeah, obviously, Altrad uh, uh, have been on the front of the All Black jersey for last season. And um, their their boss, uh, Mohir Altrad, um, has actually in, un, been arrested and un, under trial for corruption allegations, along with um, Bernard Laporte, who... Uh, people would remember as being the former French coach and um, pretty high up in, in world rugby. And um, they've been accused of a whole bunch of things. Um, you have to firstly understand financial crime and um, the French legal system, which I'm not going to get into too much here. But I think um, the most interesting thing about this is the role that these guys played in the World Cup hosting rights. Uh, because as you, as you guys might remember, uh, it felt like either Ireland or South Africa were, were going to host um, the, World, the 2023 World Cup. And France kind of came in out of nowhere on the day and um, took the hosting rights, uh, which was a real surprise and, and pretty controversial at the time. And it's all kind of, I think since then, people have started to kind of connect the dots um, with these guys. Now, how that plays out, like I've, I've been I've been in contact with some people up in France to kind of get my head around what's going to happen. He's, he, Altrad himself is probably not going to go to prison from, from what we can hear, but it, it feels like he's going to be found guilty uh, and at least probably have to wear an ankle bracelet or something, which is a really bad look for New Zealand rugby when you think about it. I mean, they already had enough controversy last year uh, signing on with Enios, which is obviously a um, an oil company. Uh, which is not the greatest PR move of all time, um, but to have have something like this with a guy who's you know may well be found out to be a crook uh, on the front of their jerseys. I mean, it was bad enough when AIG, like a company that was you know played a massive role in the global financial crisis back in in 2008, but to have this happen, I mean, that's a that's really embarrassing um, for for NZ Rugby and the All Blacks and the Blackburns because they have it on the front of their jersey as well. So how they handle this they haven't said anything about it yet uh but i'd I'd be really interested to see what happens um if this goes as badly as it it potentially could um for mohit eltra and bernard laporte just just wanted uh, what mark robinson wanted for christmas i would imagine guy havelt it's not like he hasn't had anything else to deal with this year yeah, he's had a pretty easy run of things, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, like James says, uh, not not a not a great look for New Zealand rugby and, and the All Blacks or the Blackburns. Uh, I do suspect, though, it'll be one of these things where a few people will write about it in the media and talk about it in the media. The general public in New Zealand probably won't care. So, um, I, you know, I, I just don't know whether whether it have as much an impact as perhaps it should if if Eltrad is indeed found guilty and if he is indeed. Um, you know, convicted and, and, and essentially is a criminal. Uh, I, I just don't know if the general public here in New Zealand will really care um, all that much. But, yeah, absolutely, just another conundrum or another situation that Mark Robinson has to deal with. And, and 
with all due respect to the guy, I, I don't know if he's um, if he's quite handled everything uh, as well as as well as probably previous people in charge. Right, uh, let's uh, stay with uh, Guy Havelt if we can, because uh, Silver Ferns two uh, 0 up after two in the Consolation Cup. I, I, I must admit, I didn't, I didn't forecast that. Well, you probably didn't, because I believe it's only the second time it's happened in history that they've won back-to-back tests against Australia. So no wonder you weren't expecting it. Uh, this was actually the highlight of the weekend for me, uh, the way that the Silver Fern played uh, both. I know it was on Thursday, so it doesn't quite count as the weekend, but particularly last night, to be able to back up their performance on Thursday um, made a change in, in, in the defensive end as well with Sula Fitzpatrick coming in. She looked good. Um, they now make a few changes to their squad for that second leg of two games over in Australia. Uh, but, yeah, from what I've seen from the Silver Fern so far, it's been excellent. And for them to be able to uh, make those adjustments that they needed to make in, in such a short time between the Commonwealth Games and, and now in the Constellation Cup, uh, I think is very, very promising for next year's World Cup. Uh, yeah, I was mightily impressed by the Silver Ferns. Um, and as I say, I hope they can go over to Australia and do a number on them there because if they were to win both these games and then go over and even just win one over in Australia, I think it would be a massive achievement and, and, and results of pretty big significance uh, for the Silver Ferns. What have, what have you made of that uh, performance, Jamie? Yeah, yeah, really pleasing. Um, and yeah, interesting that uh, the fact that Guy just uh, brought up about how it's the first time in history they've ever won back-to-back tests. Um, it sort of shows sort of where the team is at the moment. Um, you know, the thing about the, the Silver Ferns is they've, they've always been pretty up and down, like from season to season. You, you don't quite know what they're going to get. It's not quite like Warriors level uh, at the time, uh, like going going through it. But, uh, you know, they, they can, it always it is always judged on how they go against Australia. So to sort of be dominating, I don't, you know, to tentatively use that word dominating is, is really encouraging. Um, just kind of circling back to the conversation we had before, though, Interesting situation with the Australian team refusing to wear uh, the sponsorship of, a, of an Australian petrochemical company uh, on their dresses as well. I'm, I'm quite interested in that, that development um, because uh, it was kind of brought up over the weekend that, um, you know, that the, that team has taken a stand over what, what's on their jerseys. Um, and as we see athletes mm. becoming more sort of socially aware and, and everything and not wanting to do that, um, there is power in numbers. Um, I would be interested to see... Uh, just how much player power plays into, um, you know, perhaps the Black Ferns um, um, and, and what they have on their jersey going forward. So, I mean, the mark has been set um, by an Australian team. And it's not often you say that an Australian sports team has the moral high ground um, in many situations, but here we are. David Nika. David Nika, um, Guy Havelt, uh, 5-0 and now in his professional career. Uh, looks like we've got a genuine contender here. Yeah, and that we wanted to see him win a fight, wasn't it, with a massive right hand uh, in the second round. Uh, maybe of slight concern was the cut that he meant that he received uh, in, in what, only less than two rounds of boxing, um, possibly saying that his defence might need to improve slightly, but certainly promising, and as you say, 5-0. and oh, uh, With all due respect to Titi Motutanga, uh, don't know if he's, you know, top calibre boxer or anything like that, but uh, you can only beat what's in front of you, and, uh, and David Nika certainly did that in Pretty good style. Uh, I, I like the fact that he was able to finish it so quickly, finish it so strongly with one massive punch. Uh, as I say, maybe those defences just need to improve ever so slightly. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think very promising signs, and and he's he's, he's cuts a good image for me too. Uh, for me, David Nika, he, he looks 
pretty damn good about everything he does. Um, what about the Kiwis this morning? Uh, ben, Jamie, uh, they won the first game against Lebanon. Uh, they were tested, and that's probably not a bad thing. Um, but Samoa, Samoa getting pounded, absolutely pounded by England. Yeah, just a message to every Samoan uh, friend of mine uh, last week who pretty much was telling me that they should just engrave their name on the trophy uh, right now. Uh, what a bunch of build-ups, guys. Man, like, that was... I, I, I wasn't confident that they were going to win, but I didn't think they were going to get whipped by that that much. Um, I mean, in saying that, though, uh, England have kind of flown under the radar a bit from our sort of media perspective. Um, but then you actually look at that team, you're like, actually... <laughs> Most of those guys play in the NRL. I don't even know a lot of those guys are actually English. Um, so they're really they're looking really good. Um, obviously, they had a few hiccups uh, over the weekend with firstly the um, the opening ceremony, Mike uh, cutting out, and then a few broadcast issues. But it was really heartening to see there's some really good crowds. Um, St. James's Park at Newcastle was almost sold out, and then they had 14,000 and for the Kangaroos versus Fiji uh, game yesterday as well. So, like, really good um, support there. Um, but just on the Kiwis, I think that game went pretty much the way that everyone kind of thought it would. Like, that Lebanon side is, you know, it's pretty good. They've got, a, obviously, a very good house partnership in Mitchell Moses and Adam Doherty. And they performed really well at the last uh, World Cup. Um, so for the Kiwis to run out, you know, about 20-point winners was, was about right, uh, I think. Um, and awesome to see Joey Manu putting on a really good performance as well. He's got potential to be a real star of this tournament. Um, scored a really, really good individual try there and um, yeah, I think uh, it's uh, Michael Maguire was felt like he wasn't really that happy afterwards because you know it was a bit of a scrappy win. But you know, like it's it's better to be pulling out scrappy wins now than and and to save your best rugby league uh, for the business end of the tournament because that's where the key was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just finally, uh, Guy Haveld, Martin Guptill or no Martin Guptill? Well, I'm slightly biased. I know Martin pretty well, but I a bias aside, I would still play him. Um, you're going to a World Cup. You've got the, the highest run scorer in our T20 history. Um, you know, one of the best limited overs batsmen in our history of all time. Um, of course, you'd play him. Uh, I know he's been in a pretty lean patch in, in recent times, but a lot of our batters have. Um, so he hasn't been alone in that department. And you're going over to Australia, the cauldron that is Australia. Uh, I would have thought that you'd want some experience there uh, towards the top of the order. That's nothing Finn Allen. Finn Allen is the future of New Zealand cricket at the top of the order in the white ball game, and he will be a phenomenon. I just wonder if it's a little bit too early to be throwing him into that top order. The other thing, Smithy, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, is um, Adam Milne, what, what's going on there? He can, he, there's either three reasons why he couldn't play that final. Um, one is they don't think he can play back-to-back games. He's not fit enough. Two is he's got a, a more serious injury than, than maybe what they're letting on. Or three, they don't think he's better than Blitz. And if it's three, uh, man, I'd be very worried about the state of those selectors if they don't think it's better than Blair Tickner. Um, with all due respect to Blair, um, I, I, I think that team is so much better when it's got Adam Milne in it. And if he's either uh, considered not good enough, or, or uh, which I'm sure he's not, but I hope he's not, uh, but that's one of the things that I read into it, or he um, isn't fit enough to play back-to-back games, that's a massive concern as well. So I, I yeah. I don't know how this team's going to go over there. Obviously, it's a pretty cutthroat environment in the T20 World Cup. If they make the semi-finals, anything can happen from there. But they're in a tough pool, um, and uh, yeah, I think they might face a bit of a mountain to get out of their pool. Totally agree, actually. And uh, I'm, I've always been a bit uh, perplexed when it comes to um, the, some of the selections um, of this group and the 
conservative nature of it, but uh, certainly to play Tickner ahead of him if he was fit, very unusual. Very, very unusual. You're right. Uh, Guy Havelt and Jamie Wall have been our panellists this morning. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, all the best uh, this weekend to both of you and that crucial encounter down there in Christchurch. It is uh, 10.45 here, and uh, we'll have another panel tomorrow morning around about 10.20. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.